there, and welcome to the His Beloved Catholic Podcast. I'm Megan Copeland. And I'm Kendra Bartlett, and we are two best friends that we live right across the street from each other. And between us, we have 10 kids, a ton of redheads. (laughs) Yes, we do. (laughs) We run a ministry in Austin, Texas called His Beloved, and our mission is to invite women, children, teenagers into an encounter with Jesus and to bring revival in the Catholic Church. And we are just so excited you are here. Come join us. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the His Beloved Podcast. I'm Megan, and man, we are just so excited to be back with you guys. And today we have our first guest of the season, and it's a good one. His name is Ryan O'Hara, and he is the host of the podcast Better Preach. And uh, it's a podcast for anyone involved in the Catholic Church who speaks, preaches, teaches. That could be, you know, speakers, teachers, priests, volunteers, even if you're just speaking to a small group of children, anybody can benefit from this podcast. And honestly, I think it's for way more than just people who are volunteering and speaking in the church. But Ryan has created this podcast in order to invite Catholics into a better style of teaching and preaching. And he says that if you have an audience in front of you, you better be preaching to them. You better be talking to them about the great love of Jesus and how their lives will be transformed, not just giving them facts, but inviting them in to transformation, to deep relationship. And not only is he the host of this podcast, but he also has spent most of his life working in ministry with college students, and he also has a great heart for um, the poor in his community and he and his wife have opened up their home in a beautiful way and he explains it to us and it blows us away i think it was so cool to hear a story of someone who is not just preaching the gospel but is living the gospel and he invites us into how we can do that in our daily life too all right i hope you enjoy Hello, and welcome back to the His Beloved Podcast. I'm Megan. I'm Kendra. And we have a really, really fun guest for you today. We have Ryan O'Hara from the Better Preach Podcast. And I have to tell you, Ryan, I'm from South Dallas. And so every time I read the name of your podcast, I feel like it should be like Better Preach. Like, I just Oh my gosh, me too. (laughs) But in my head, it's like Better Preach. (laughs) And I love that name. I think it's so funny. Me too. It's like such a good like Catholic boom, but it's also, it's got like a yes. little, like, I like the ghettoness of it. It's great. All right. So Ryan, would you like to say hi to our guests and tell yes. them a little bit about yourself? I would. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me on the show. I'm super excited to connect. My name is Ryan O'Hara and I live in West St. Paul uh, with my wife and we have four teenage and adult sons. And, um, I've been in ministry with uh, college students and young adults for the last 25 years. And actually, as of um, September of 2023, I'm kind of going out on my own with speaking and consulting and podcasting. And so that's a new that's a new adventure uh, for me. But my heart has been with ministry to college students and and also ministry to the mm-hmm. poor. And my wife and I are foster and adoptive parents. And so that's another piece of of our life that's been been super important. But in the last year or so, put this podcast together called Better Preach to um, talk about delivering and developing great Catholic talks through interviews and some solo episodes and things like that. And it's been really fun. I discovered your podcast when our friend Paul Kim was on it. He shared, um, like, you know, he can listen to this podcast. And and I was just immediately the name, I was like, yeah, I'm in. I want to hear what he has to say. But I was blown away by the guests that you have. I mean, you have every... Yeah. Every Catholic speaker that I've looked up to over the last 10 years, pretty much on your podcast. And um, and for me, I've been speaking, I guess, I started as like a youth minister. And so I just kind of worked my way up and I was doing little talks here and there. And um, but mainly like, you know, scripture telling stuff like that. And then we had this really deep area of suffering in our lives for a long time. And out of that birthed this story mm. that the Lord had put on my heart to share And it was like, I needed to share this story. And I didn't exactly know how or what I was supposed to do with that. And so I would go and I would share this story of this deep suffering of our family. And people would come up to me afterwards and they started just like pouring things out to me. 
Um, I remember one time this woman came up and told me about infidelity in her marriage. And then I realized that her husband was like, worked for the church. And it was just mm-hmm. this really painful time. And I didn't have anybody in my life to um, like talk about these things as a speaker with. And I didn't. And so I was just learning it all on my own. You know what I mean? And, and through the Holy Spirit. I mean, I think the Lord really helped me a lot during that time. But what a gift it would have been to have had a podcast like yours when I was first starting, mm-hmm. um, because even now listening to it, I'm like, oh, yeah, uh-huh, that's true. Oh, yeah, that's true. I feel that, too. But back then it would have been like, oh, that's what I need to hear in this moment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It would have I feel like it would have really shepherded me. Yeah. And um, what I found so beautiful about all the people that you have on the podcast is how vulnerable they are. And it becomes not so much a podcast of like how to's and more of like who their where their hearts are. Yeah. Where the Lord is stirring them as deep, faithful mm. Catholics and their prayer lives. And so even though yeah. it's meant for speakers and volunteers and people that, you know, are are preaching to the church, I feel like anybody would receive a lot from this podcast because it's also so much just about th- like what we go through as Catholics and where mm-hmm. what a deep prayer life looks like. Yeah. And I think it, you do a great job of um, like for me, it's been tangible things that I can strive for, work for. Um, but also these moments of awakening, like that embolden me, you know, yeah. like don't be afraid to, to preach, you know, yeah. um, to, to share the gospel, um, and those sorts of things. I know my husband who's been in ministry, our whole marriage, he, he really gets a lot out of it too. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for what you're doing. Um, it's fruitful. Yeah. You're welcome. Well, I th- you know, Megan, I think you're right in that uh, you're both right in that I think a lot of times we go through this journey of of hearing a call to speak and kind of grow as speakers, but we do so in isolation. And that's not what Christianity is, but oftentimes this sort of experience of being communicators and growing is something we do kind of in private. We, we don't get a lot of good feedback. We don't get mentoring and training. And that's that's the hope of this podcast is that some of the best communicators in the church today could, through the podcast, be something like mentors to the rest of us who um, are are growing in that call and experiencing um, kind of new opportunities or new growth or new challenges. And I think just what you've described is exactly what we're hoping the podcast will do. I don't know if you've ever had the experience of of giving of giving a talk, and even when there's some, uh, you're sharing a lot of yourself. I get something like a vulnerability hangover, you know, Mm -hmm. like the next day, I just feel like, did I do too much? Was that helpful? And, Mm -hmm. and it just is hard to bear up this kind of ministry of the word, um, on our own. And so I think, um, this is, this is my hope and what you're describing is what I, I've, I hoped and prayed the podcast could be. That's absolutely what it's been for me. And that was what I was talking about when people would come up and share with me is I would get this vulnerability hangover and I would like take in all their pain and I didn't know what to do with it. And I would come to Kendra and other people and ask for help, but there wasn't anybody. But if there had been a podcast that said, you might get a vulnerability hangover and that's normal. Yeah. (laughs) I probably wouldn't, I would have known how to manage it better. You know what I mean? But I didn't at the time, but I think it's also great because Think about like at the parish level, a lot of people who are giving talks are volunteers, especially like in youth yeah. ministry, and they don't have experience. So yeah. I think even right. for them to be able to hear these, you know, right. practical tips that you have and all of that, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. And just, I was yeah. thinking the very same thing, Megan, and just sharing, being empowered to share just a two minute testimony. Yeah. That's a big deal mm-hmm. for a lot of people. It is. You yeah. Know? And knowing how to get so, a witness is great. And, and we know stories impact lives and change hearts. So. Yeah. Totally. And Jesus right. was a storyteller. Tell some funny yeah. Yeah. Okay. So to get started, Ryan. Um, we would love to get a glimpse into you and who you are. And I love um, finding out kind of, I think personally, a lot of our choices in childhood and some other shenanigans stories from childhood kind of give us a glimpse into the person today. Okay, wait, every time we start this part of the podcast, I like, I never know what's going to come out of Kendra's mouth. And I'm always like, oh, what's she about to ask? Okay. It's not, it's not bad. It's okay. Okay. So I would love to know what you got in trouble most for when you were growing up. That's a good question. Oh, dang. (laughs) You know, that's funny. You asked that. And I, this is the honest to God truth and kind of a bummer. Are you, were you a really good kid? I was like the perfect kid. (laughs) I, I did not. (laughs) That's not fair. I did not get, I did not get in trouble. It was, 
now there's there's actually a really kind of a deep story <laughs> as to why that was um the ultimate people pleaser and oh, um, that's hard. Yeah. i i just i just never i never i just never did in fact you know what one time i did get a detention no you know what we did in grade school like sixth grade um I remember there was a, they had like this isolation booth. They really had that back in the eighties. And if you did something wrong, you were sent to isolation. Literally, that's what they called it. And you were over in the corner on at a different table and nobody could interact with you and you couldn't interact with them. And it's in in like sixth grade. So we weren't like, or fifth grade, we we weren't changing classes. So you're in the isolation booth all day long. And the sad thing was, uh, well, two things. One, my mom was thrilled. She thought it was the greatest thing that had ever happened <laughs> because, f- yes, you know, like finally you're, you're just doing something that you're not supposed to do. And Aww. she just thought that was the greatest thing in the world, which was really uh, telling. That's that's how sort of how much of a good kid I was. <laughs> but it was also at the time where this really like tragic story had had happened, unfolded in Indianapolis. And the whole day it was like this discussion of what it was about and what happened. And I just had to sit over there dying to talk about it, but I couldn't participate. Oh, oh, oh wow. And so anyway, yeah. But, but so yeah, if you want to know a little bit about who I am really, uh, that that's a little bit of an origin story uh, to the unfortunate people pleaser that I mm. tend to be yeah. a, apart from Christ. Yeah. yeah. So, I have a kid that's yeah. a people pleaser too. So yeah, yeah. that may be her story someday. <laughs> that's been that some, yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a part of my story too, is breaking out of that people pleasing mold. Yeah. That's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It sticks with yeah. you too. Yeah, it does. Um, okay, next question. If you can give us a timeline of your life in music genres Ooh. that you oh, like you yourself. Nice. Good yep. question. Yep. Thanks. Yep. I didn't even, a- I didn't even Google for that one. <laughs> Thanks. So um I okay, so really like uh think vacation Bible school uh-huh. songs okay. until about ten. Um, and then think Michael Jackson, nice. Prince, and Madonna, right? <laughs> um, and then then we get into like hardcore gangster rap yes. as a high school student. <laughs> yes, you're speaking Megan's um, language. <laughs> like o- OG, like NWA and oh, Ice wow, Cube and all of all of that. Yeah, no, it was. And then, and then we get into uh, Nirvana, yeah, Pearl grunge. Jam, Soundgarden, kind of the whole grunge era. And then uh, that's in that's in college. And then late college and early young adulthood was Fish and sort of jam bands. Then it was Conversion <laughs> and uh, Matt Marr and Hillsong. That's awesome. And, you know. Yeah. And then now it would be um, actually now I've been going back through all of that and enjoying kind of a, a nostalgic run through a lot of my favorite stuff that I wouldn't have listened to in years, but uh, have started to enjoy it again. That's that was so a fun. fantastic answer. That's awesome. Yeah, I um, I can pretty much rap every song from the 90s. <laughs> that, was, that was my Chicken. genre too. But then of course, Conversion, Matt Marr, Hillsong. Yes. Right, right. <laughs> yes. But okay, so that's a great segue because I would love to hear what happened in your life. What did Jesus do in your heart yeah. from Nirvana to Matt Marr? Yeah. Well, he he intervened through a retreat in college. And there's this guy, I, I, I was at this um, Baptist college as a, as a Catholic. Mm-hmm. I, did, I was poorly catechized. I didn't know that Baptists weren't Catholics. Uh, that's on me or my parents. But um, I ended up at this Baptist college and it was this, it was so strangely socially segregated. There was like the people in fraternities and sororities of which that was kind of my world mm-hmm. and then everybody else. And most everybody else, the the Christians were in the everybody else category, and um, and so there was this this guy who was an RA. He reached out to me every week, invited me to a Bible study, and every week I said no. Mm-hmm. And he persisted for a couple of years until he invited the girl I was dating on a retreat, and then invited me. I was like, well, if she's going, then I'm going to go. <laughs> and as a Catholic, I said I kind of get retreats. I didn't quite get Bible studies. But I had this profound encounter uh, with the truth that the Lord should be uh, the Lord of my life, the center of my life, and that I should love him with my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And I heard that. I desired that. I had grown up Catholic my whole life, 
going to mass every week, uh, Catholic school. Uh, my mom was even a religious sister before I came into the picture. Long yeah. story there. But so I grew up in this kind of really strong Catholic home, but it wasn't impacting my life on a daily basis. And until this moment, and I remember um, going back home, I'm sorry, back to like my fraternity room mm -hmm. and on an actual landline in the 90s, <laughs> it's like 94, uh, calling my mom and um, kind of sharing with her about this experience. Another quick story. My dad had Alzheimer's disease. Mm -hmm. And um, so I really had kind of lost my, my dad growing up, but my mom was my closest relationship. And so that's why I gave her a call. And I told her, I said, Hey, um, I just wanted to share with you what we talked about this weekend. And, um, that they're saying that God should be kind of the most important relationship in our lives. And I, I want that. But I said, if I'm honest, you're the most important relationship mm -hmm. in my life. And she thanked me for that and said, I appreciate that, Ryan, but I want to give you, she said, I want to give you permission to put God first in your life. And that something clicked there. And I just began I began praying on a daily basis. I joined a men's group and I started to see how faith and life are to be integrated. Mm -hmm. I went back to mass, I went back to confession and it was like, you know, I was watching this small, you know, eight inch black and white TV and it just didn't connect. And this, what that conversion experience did was show me sort of Jesus and the church in full color high definition mm. and it was just clear it was attractive and i was drawn to it and that's when my life really started to change um through that experience in college i wow. love that so much there's uh, i was just having a conversation yesterday with my freshman in high school and mm. she was talking to a friend who said that they were raised in the church and that they had just kind of always gone mm. and and their parents were involved and they they you know she went physically and she said, but I'm really trying to like learn and make it my own now. Mm, and I think that's, that's awesome. yeah, yeah. That's, and I think yeah. that's kind of, I'm hoping that's where my daughters are as well. But I think that's a big jump between this is what I've always done and then watching it come alive. Yeah. Like you just said, like going from black and white to full color. And, yeah. and I think that comes with an encounter with Jesus, like knowing that this isn't just something we're going through the motions. Like that's a true person who deeply desires your heart and your, and who yeah. you are. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us this week. Every chance we get to meet with you and talk about Jesus just brings so much joy to our hearts. I pray, I pray that the revival is coming, and I pray that the revival is coming through you. Did you know that you're part of this? I pray that every single day you grow more in love with Jesus, you hear his voice more, you follow him more. And I pray that this podcast is helping you a little bit along that way. If you are liking what you're hearing, we would love for you to share it with a friend. We would love for you to make a review on your podcast app, Apple, Spotify, whatever podcast app you use. And we would love for you to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, email us if you ever have any questions or you just want to share what God did in your heart today during the episode. See you next week. So um, going back to your conversion, I'm sure you went into college with a different idea of what you wanted to pursue and do and, and trajectory for your life. And then you had your conversion. And then, you know, we hear that you have spent your life in ministry with college students yeah. and young adults and St. Right. Paul's outreach and that sort of thing. So um, tell us a little bit about that shift for you and how that, you know, the Lord has moved in that. Yeah, I, I had a great experience in college loved loved the whole dynamic and loved loved what it could what it made available to people in terms of figuring out who they who they're going to be mm -hmm. and then pursuing that sort of path and um so I had a great experience in college and immediately after I graduated I pursued a um a career in higher education I was working as an admission counselor helping people get into college and um the Lord kind of shifted that and said, you know, like, would I rather help people? This sounds cheesy, but like get into heaven or get into college. And my heart was that. growing. Like, I want to help people get into heaven. Yeah. I want that's if I could do anything, please Lord. And, and so, um, heard a call to ministry and just began to open my heart to the possibility. And, but the interesting thing was I, I experienced this conversion in college, but I wasn't involved 
in ministry in college. That was kind of for the other side of the tracks, you know, like I was on this fraternity world, but just growing as a baby Christian. And then it wasn't really till after I graduated from college that the Lord became kind of the full center of my life. And so I didn't have any experience. And so I didn't even know what to do or where to look. And again, my mom, um, she's been such a, a beautiful figure in my life. And she had been involved in ministry in the church and she would send me newspaper or like Catholic newspaper clippings of job opportunities. Hey, what about this? What about that? Cause I had experienced this call. And so there was this opportunity at the university of Missouri Newman center, um, to, 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 uh, interview as their campus minister. And that was in 1997. And uh, that was a year after I graduated and the Lord just opened that door and I even look back now, like I had no business getting hired <laughs> for that job. I, I, you know, I wouldn't have hired me. I wouldn't have hired yeah. me, you know, if I, knowing what I know now. <laughs> Isn't that right? You know, but that's, that's the Lord. And that was where I met my wife. And uh, that was just the beginning of this kind of lifelong call mm-hmm. um, to ministry. And the, the Lord had to open these doors and it, it was a great, a great first opportunity, but just I fell in love with with ministry to college students and young adults, and to and I feel like I've 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 been with the millennial, you know, millennials since you know they first entered college yeah. in nineteen ninety seven ninety eight in there, and um, and so this that's been my life has been serving the 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 church of the millennials, you know. Um, ever since they hit, uh, hit the ground on campus. So that, that was what sort of brought me into it. And, um, but my wife and I have had a heart to, to serve together. And we went and did, um, an evangelization training school in 2000, summer of 2000 in Wellington, New Zealand. Wow. And so we got kind of f- formed together as kind of a missionary couple during that experience That's- and have been kind of partners in mission uh, ever, ever since. And so, you know, there was a tour through Arizona and that's where we got connected with a lot of the kind of Arizona ministry folks. Um, I, I don't know if you know who Ike Dolo mm-hmm. is. He's a Catholic musician, yeah, singer, songwriter. He was a part of the program that we were doing. Actually, Jill was his youth minister in Columbia, Missouri, wow. way back in the day. Wow. And so just a lot of neat opportunities that came through that. Um, and, you know, any Hickman mm-hmm. and Paul George and Matt Marr, that whole yeah. crew at that time. And so it was just a neat, a neat time to be in ministry in that area. And that is what sort of launched us into kind of the, the other things that we've been doing since. That's awesome. So I was listening to one of your episodes this morning and I, <laughs> I don't like to hear people's stories before they come on the podcast because I like to be surprised. <laughs> she does and, this with me yeah. too. She's like, stop talking. We'll talk about it on the podcast. She'll start telling me a story and I'm like, no, hold that thought. I want to hear you say it on the podcast. Um, but I was listening to one of your episodes and I heard something that I hadn't heard about you at all. And it was your heart for, um, the poor and the and homeless. And um, he started to ask you about a story of encounter that you had with a homeless man. And I was like, turn it off. So I would love to hear that story. Yeah. yeah that's um, that was where the call to ministry happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was actually, if you can imagine summer 1996, I had just graduated from, from college. My buddies and I had this cool opportunity before we would get our sort of full-time jobs to spend a month in Atlanta, 1996 for the Olympics. Wow. And so wow. super cool. So we were, we were from Missouri. We drove down to, uh, Hotlanta yeah. <laughs> and spent, spent a month there. Um, and they gave us this, we were hired by Speedo, no joke. <laughs> they gave us these ridiculously cushy jobs and we made a ton of money doing basically nothing. Um, but, um, what they would have us do is sell their speedo products, their Mm -hmm. gear, their swimsuits, their goggles, their, whatever, their t-shirts. And they would put us in these bright white kiosks all over downtown Atlanta. Well, some of these kiosks had more Olympic traffic than others. Well, our kiosk was in a place, the five points Marta station, for those who might be familiar with mm-hmm. that, where there wasn't a lot of Olympic traffic, but there was a lot of people uh, who were homeless uh, and and just sort of wandering around. Marta's the and best. So that, yeah, we've been there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So that was that was our world there, mm-hmm. and so we were we were having 
you know, person in need, person in need, person in need after person in need come to us kind of asking for help. Mm. And we were just turning, kept turning them away. I remember one guy, he flashed us. It was mm. like this, it was just a wild scene. Mm. And, um, and, and my heart was burning. I hated that. Um, we were turning them away. Yeah. And yet I knew it, there wasn't much that we could do in that, in that role. And so, um, one morning I was also studying the book of Daniel. Um, at that time I was reading the book of Daniel, praying with that each day. And if you remember two of the key stories, you know, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego mm -hmm. and Daniel and his friends in the lion's den, I felt that felt like me, like I was in this difficult situation that I wanted the Lord to lead me through. And he brought me to those stories and it, it convicted me that he would, he would meet me in that need and that I just needed to be open and to respond. So, well, so the next morning I'm, I'm walking to the train station, happened to be by myself. It was, there was a soft rain. It was about six 30 in the morning. It was cloudy and rainy. And I was walking towards the train station and this gentleman, I'll never forget. He had a, uh, a crispy cream, hat on <laughs> and crispy uh, cream donuts. And so he approaches me and he said, Hey man, um, could you spare some money for some train fare? And I'm thinking very quickly, all right, Lord, you said you'd be with me. Here we go. This is happening. But I just responded, no, sorry. I don't, I don't have anything. I can't help you. I did have something, but I just was afraid and mm -hmm. responded that way. And so uh, he kept walking. He, he picked up his pace. He kept walking ahead. We were both walking to the train station. He makes the turn into the area where the train station is. And he said, he slowed back down, came up to me, and he said, <laughs> he said hey, man, I, I asked nicely, could you spare some money for some train fare? I said, sorry, no, I, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't have it. And I'm lying to him. And I kept walking. We kept walking together. There was about a hundred steps down into the train station and about 50 steps down. He turns around and goes back up. I continue. And I get to the bottom of the platform and I think, I have the money. He's here. What are we, what am I doing? Mm. Like, just give him the money. Mm. And so I ran, cause I'm like, well, what was he going to do with it? Blah, blah, blah. Well, we're yeah. at the train station. I could help him buy the train fare. I could see it happen. So I run back up the steps and I get to the top. And interestingly enough, it's, it's a completely 360 kind of, you can see 360 and I get to the top and I look all the way around and he's nowhere to be found. Mm. And unless this guy is like, you, you know, Usain Bolt, <laughs> like literally flying off, I don't know where he went. And I just had this deep, overwhelming conviction that I, th I think I might've, <laughs> that might've been Jesus. Like I might've mm -hmm. just entertained an angel there. And, and it was this first, it first was this twinge of, of conviction mm -hmm. of like sadness, but then I, it was immediately followed up with this profound sense of love that the Lord would in a sense, visit me in that way, or that the Lord would bring me to a scenario that would give me such a deep compassion and love for that person. And that I, I said to the Lord, I don't want to miss it again. Mm -hmm. I don't want to miss that opportunity mm -hmm. again. And I was filled with so much joy. Strangely that day, I was on a different cloud, uh, that day, just filled with great love and great joy. And so that night, as I was walking home, um, as you could imagine, a, another, another gentleman approached me and he said, you know, could you, could you help me get some dinner? And before I could even say it, I just whip out my wallet and I embrace this guy. I just oh, gave him the biggest yeah, hug yeah. that you've ever seen. And I gave him the money and he said the most interesting thing. Uh, he said, thanks. I, I could tell that you gave to me from your heart. Mm. And I thought, what an interesting thing for a, a person to say. But it was in that, again, in that moment that I was encountering Jesus mm. Uh, and he was affirming that goodness uh, that he inspired in me, that he enabled through me. And um, I gave him everything I had. You know, I gave him all the money I had in my wallet. And he went on his way and I went on my way. And he said, um, and that was when the Lord spoke very clearly to me that your life will be ministry. Those were the words mm -hmm. that he said as I walked home. And that was when I started to pursue the, the ministry possibilities. I hadn't even really thought about that. Um, 
And so that was July 27th, 1996. I'll never forget that because that was also just a few hours later there, there was a bomb that went off that in Centennial Olympic Park. It was that, it was just a few hours before that. Wow. And I was fast asleep, just really content in my heart. And, um, you know, we, we heard the news the next day of, of what had happened, but wow. it wow. was, um, a, a remarkable encounter, um, with Jesus in the last and least. And that has marked, that experience has marked my life and has marked the ministry that God has called uh, my wife and I to. Mm. And today we're living that out in a particular kind of way, but we kind of got to where we are today from that experience through foster care and adoption. Mm. And so that was, that's been, that's been kind of the primary way that we've accompanied the last and the least um, since then, um, but now we're doing more of 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 caring for people who are kind of homeless or homeless adjacent, um, young young adults and teenagers uh, who are poor, they're living with us, or we're we're serving them and caring for them in a variety of ways. So that's kind of playing out too right now. Yeah. But that that all began with that encounter with those those men uh, on the streets of Atlanta back in the wow. summer of 96. What a beautiful, I don't know, like place to kind of like stake your claim of, because sometimes when we have calls to ministry and the ministry gets hard mm. or not even just ministry, life in general, like you feel called to something yeah. and God has put something on your heart and then it gets hard and you're like, well, mm. maybe I wasn't really called to that. Right. <laughs> maybe I can back yeah. up. Um, but to yeah. have that memory to go back to, of such a clear moment mm. where he was like, no, this is, this is what I'm inviting you into. Because I'm sure in your journey with foster fostering and, and inviting people into your home, there's been those moments where it got hard, right? Yes. Yeah. Ab uh, absolutely. And, and I do hang on to, I do hang on to that. And for a while I, I would have interpreted the call as kind of just this call to campus right. ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that has been a, a very important piece of it, but it's just, it's been a call to lay our lives down for others, mm -hmm. whatever, in whatever way that that looks for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of the, the dignity of the people the Lord has brought, you know, into our lives. And, um, sure. There's a profession, like I, I, I have some skill and ability and experience and a degree and all of that kind of stuff. But, but at the end of the day, um, that, that sense of call, um, has taken on a lot of different forms, but it, but it began right there. Yeah. Um, that day. That's powerful. And, um, just speaking from experience, ministry, is it the most lucrative paying, <laughs> um, profession, right? And so it, you, you yeah, go into true. it and, and I see this in your life and how, you know, especially being, um, the provider in the family and, and you and your wife being mm -hmm. such a beautiful team, um, what surrender that takes just to let go and know, okay, God, you're calling me to this and our family to this and trusting him to provide throughout the years. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and even as you open up your home um, to more children, you know, young people, children, um, yes. what trust that takes to, to do that. Yeah, it does. It, 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 it has taken a tremendous amount of, of trust but there's also, you can take a look at about any situation and you, if you want to, you can find the good and you can find the bad mm -hmm. or the terrible, you know? So, so much of it has been us trying to look at our lives as they are from God's perspective. Mm, and one of the, one of the ways that I was challenged with that was, um, I was at a, a men's retreat and this is about six, seven years ago. And a guy came up to me and said, I, I feel like the Lord wants me to share this image with you. And I said, well, what is it? And he said, he said, you're looking at your life as though you you're looking at the back of a tapestry. Mm -hmm. You've got this beautiful tapestry. That is your life that the Lord is doing, but it's hanging on your wall backwards. Mm -hmm. And all you're doing is looking at the squigglies and the, and the, the yarn and the, yeah. the knots. And it doesn't look like anything. In fact, it's ugly. And, but when you flip it over, when you see it for how it really is, God is doing something amazing. Mm -hmm. And so it, we, we could look at the best life 
and come to negative conclusions, or we could look at the hardest life and come to the greatest conclusions. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's what we've tried to do is to see our life and others, other lives, Mm -hmm. others lives through God's eyes Mm -hmm. and through what the church teaches us about them and about us. And we've tried to really believe these things and, and act accordingly. And God has been faithful. And I, I can talk a big game right here, but it's really my wife. Like she, she is, I'm, I'm, I am admittedly, um, she doesn't get to go, she doesn't go on these podcasts. She doesn't like this sort of <laughs> medium or whatever, yeah. but um, she's the one that sort of takes the leap of faith. And then it takes me a little bit of time <laughs> to, to sort it out and to kind of come to it. But she has been such a, a bright light of, of creativity, generosity, of laying her life down. And for me as, as um, a husband who has kind of like, it's been kind of like my, my ministry, if you will, in terms of campus ministry and all that stuff that sort of has driven what, what we as a family have focused on. But in the last three years, it's been the call that my wife has had Mm. to, to serve the poor. And while I'm going to work, she's, driving people to work or she's helping people get, you know, driver's licenses or insurance or a job or taking care of their kids because they don't have daycare, whatever it might be. Um, And so the call actually has been for me to hear, maybe I am supposed to step back from my professional pursuit of ministry Mm -hmm. to partner in a sense with what God's been doing in her and in us as a family. So it's been kind of an interesting full circle. Um, and it's, it's, I think it's one of the ways that God works in marriage and the complementarity of marriage, Mm -hmm. but also that husbands and wives would listen to each other Mm -hmm. and respond to what is actually happening in their life and be present to the reality of, of God's call in each other's life. And then asking how do these, how does this come together and how can we how can we serve the Lord as one, mm. even if we're not doing the exact same things? I love that so much. I think sometimes we hear a calling and like your calling is to evangelization or your calling is to serve the poor or your calling. And sometimes we have a hard time like letting the Lord move within those to different areas of yeah. how we how we serve. And so I think it's beautiful that she has such a great, a deep calling. And then y'all have come together to, you know, to fulfill that mission together. So how... This is a very detailed question. How does that happen? Like, how do you, how does she get connected to people who are in need? Are you guys part of a ministry yeah. that that provides, or are you just so open to the people around you? How does she know how to serve or who to serve? Yeah, um, that's a good. You don't question. have to give me like details. Um, and it's, <laughs> uh, well, I, I what I will say is, well, there there are people that are all right. around us. Um, I live in, in like white middle-class suburban St. Paul, Minnesota, Mm -hmm. but just across the street are a series of apartment complexes, you know, hundreds and hundreds of apartment complexes that isn't white middle-class suburbia. So there's number one, number one, it's all around us. Number two, I'll give you a quick example. Um, a woman, uh, my wife, uh, a woman in the parking lot at Walmart asked my wife for a ride home and Jill said, sure. And so we are now in relationship with her and her two kids and, uh, her brother. And it was just through the openness of not just giving a ride, but being open to more hearing about her life. What, what could I do to help? Are there other things that you need? And so, that's, that's, that's one of, of many, many examples. Um, my wife was at, um, the fireworks stand, uh, a few years ago. And the, this group of like young black teenagers, boys and girls were, were getting like kicked out of the fireworks stand because they weren't with a grown up. Mm-hmm. And my wife sort of saw this and said, I want them to have fireworks. They deserve to have fireworks. Let's go do it. And so she's like, I'm there with me. And the lady didn't quite buy it. The lady didn't quite buy it. So she's, my wife, like got the, the kids out of there, called me and was like, Ryan, you come 
please buy these fireworks. We're going to give them to these kids and, and they're going to, they're going to go and, and have a blast. Well, three years later, we have been in relationship now with their moms, their, their, their aunties, their extended family, um, that family just recently, they're, they're using our card table and chairs because they're in a situation, they're kind of in and out of stable housing. And so they sell, this sounds crazy, but they sell lemonade and they make a decent amount of money selling lemonade, but they're using our tables and chair, <laughs> our card table and chairs. And um, so just, that's just one example, another example. So that's there's just fantastic. an availability. But, <laughs> so tangible. Yeah. So yeah. So that's how, that's how this happens. And it's a willingness to think differently mm-hmm. about our family, about our life, our home, our resources. That's that's what we've tried to, to mm-hmm. do and to model. I love that because it's not just a random act of kindness. It's going deeper into relationship. Right. That's, that's a hard something. jump between yes. I'm going to give you money versus, yeah. hey, tell me about your life. Let's get yeah. to know each other. Give us a quick 10... Five, whatever, however many, come Holy Spirit, however many minutes. Um, just lessons on journeying with people because that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what you're saying, Megan, right? Like it, it it is, goes beyond the service. It's journeying alongside them. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes it, you know, it is a random act of kindness, um, but also of just giving them, them money. But through relationship, you get to a point where, you say no to giving them money mm, in a certain right. situation because you know that this may not be, you know, what, what's best yeah. or let's, let's go a little bit of a different route. Mm. Um, and, and so you, you actually, I've heard it said before, do for one, what you wish you could do for all. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't go all in with everybody, right. you know, in need, but we can go deep with a few families. And that's what we've, what we've tried to do. And it's, it is, um, it is quite messy. Now, the, the reason it kind of works for us is that my wife doesn't have another job. Mm-hmm. And so, and my boys are old enough that they're kind of, they can take, they can be home alone, take care of themselves. Right. And, yeah. you know, um, so there's a, my wife has a lot of flexibility and, she, she, she spends a lot of her time. We, we have put like 35,000 miles on our car (laughs) every, every year, Mm -hmm. uh, in the last few years, because she does so much moving of people. (laughs) And so what we're seeing is, is, is poverty is, is not just people, uh, are lazy and they are choosing not to make anything of themselves. Mm -hmm. It's so much more complicated yeah. than that. Um, it's oftentimes a single mom with multiple kids. Mm-hmm. So how do you how do you afford daycare? Oh. Um, what if you make just enough to not qualify for a daycare voucher? How do you how do you get and maintain a vehicle? Mm-hmm. How do you get and maintain uh, an apartment and rent? And how do you keep up on your bills? you know, every single month, what happens when you get behind, you know? And so there, what we've learned is that our, our job isn't to fix anything because there's no fixing, but there, there is accompaniment. Mm. There is, I've got your back. I am here. Well, I say all the time, we're, we're in your corner. We're in your corner. And while I, you know, we're not giving thousands and thousands of dollars away, you know, each month. It's not even about that. It's just mm-hmm. about building a friendship, being a network of support, being a backstop, um, but also trying to build a mutuality of relationship. I think the thing started to break down in a good way when we, when we stopped seeing ourselves as the ones who have something Mm -hmm. and that they are the ones who receive something and that there's a mutuality there of it, that I am learning so much of what it means to be poor and black in America from our willingness just to keep saying the next yes. I, I am a different person because of it. 
And it was all, it is all around me. It, it was all around me. I just didn't know it. I didn't yeah. see it. I, I, I could kind of block it out. But that example of the Walmart story is, is, you know, that, that, that kind of stuff happens all the time. Now we're also discerning. We're mm-hmm. also, uh, we're, we're not there to put ourselves in physical danger per se. Mm-hmm. Um, although my wife appears much more fearless than I'd I'd like. <laughs> she will. She she will go to very dangerous places, and she just knows that Jesus is with her, and He That's is. Amazing. And um, so she's smart, uh, and she she tells me, you know, she tells me, you know, she gets she gets hit on quite a bit. It's funny, <laughs> but you know, like this old man, you know, wanted to marry. Me. She tells me this, you know, every every few weeks. Um, she so seems very they always spicy. always ask if she's if she's married. I know. I'm like, I feel like we'd be friends. She's, <laughs> she's she's pretty spicy. Yeah, she's that so. is absolutely beautiful. Um, yeah. There is a ministry in Austin called Community First Mobile Loaves and Fishes. I don't know if you've heard of it or not, but it's really really powerful ministry of inviting. Mm-hmm homeless people into community and to providing housing for them. And it's so much more than just, like you said, offering something. It's so much about accompaniment and and um, friendship on a really deep level and being eye to eye. And I went one time with them on a street retreat and I was like there um, helping with the teenagers. It was with a Catholic high school and they didn't give us anything to be able to give to anybody the entire time we were there. We were not there to serve. We were not there to pass out socks or anything like that. We were only there to encounter and to talk to people. Mm -hmm. And that may be the most fruitful ministry I've ever done in my entire life. Um, Mm -hmm. And it wasn't even just so much. We were really there to listen. We would just talk and ask them questions. And they would tell us these amazing stories. And they talked to us about faith more than I ever could have imagined. It was it was so beautiful and surprising to hear me for them for me to hear them talk about faith and it was such an active part of their lives and maybe that's because we were a Catholic group and they were like oh you like Jesus <laughs> we'll talk to you about Jesus but the next morning um, we went to a soup kitchen and had breakfast there mm-hmm. and um, and we stood in line and and we followed all the rules and we did everything that we were supposed to do as if we were um, on the you know on the streets as well and when we walked in there was a group of fraternity boys behind the um, counter serving. And I remember thinking, I'd much rather be here sitting at this table than behind the counter. Mm. And we had such a fruitful Mm. experience because we actually got to sit at the table and listen. And I think there's beauty, obviously, in being the one who serves as well. But like with Mobile Loves and Fishes, one of the things they do is they make sure that you're always serving eye to eye, that in their trucks, you're never standing up higher and looking down at someone. I love that. Yeah, because it's, it's so much more about relationship. And food is an entry into relationship, right? It's not... It's not just a transactional. It's, hey, I want to journey with you from here on. And yeah. we also, um, there's a camp that teaches all of this to children, which is absolutely amazing. And it teaches kids how to see the dignity in human human beings and to love and serve the poor. And, and Kendra and I got to be on the team that wrote the curriculum for a few years. And it was really um, moving for me and mm-hmm. for my children. I miss it. I feel like hearing yeah. him say this is making me go, yeah. you know what? Yeah. I've laid that down for too long. Yeah. I think it's time to pick it yeah. back up. So hearing you speak about these things um, just really puts some practical tools into my tool belt. Because where I struggle Mm -hmm. is like I want to fix it all. Right. And if I can't fix it all, then what's the point? Yeah. You know, steps. It's a little bit here and a little bit. Yeah. But hearing you speak about these little things that, you know, loaning out your card table and 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 just being someone that they know that they can call. Yeah. You know, like that's huge. Yeah. That's huge. And that's so impactful. Mother um, Teresa said, if you can't feed a hundred people, feed just one. Yeah. Yeah. Like just start with what you can do. Yeah. Because sometimes I feel like we think we have to be part of a big organization mm-hmm. too. And if I'm not, if I'm not giving money to a ministry or, or working through a ministry, then mm-hmm. I can't serve, mm-hmm. but you can just serve the person yeah. in front yeah. of you. Well, I mean, that's, that's what, um, I mean, I think these ministries are are good because they provide structure right. and order and, and, and kind of boundaries. Yeah. But, but on the other hand, the reason they exist is because so few of us are doing yeah, on it. A daily yeah. basis. So if, yeah. if, if we all were investing, say with one, with one family and going deep with appropriate, with generosity, but appropriate boundaries that works for our family life, if every one of us mm-hmm. did that, those ministries would go, well, I'm not sure we're, 
right you know and that would be okay and you know because the body of christ would be mm-hmm. doing what the what jesus would be doing in the world right and that's 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 what we're seeing um is that there is so much there's so much need and yet we just try to do what we are doing you know if it's like having a, a meal we we eat a meal anyway yeah. so join us for a meal or we're going to go to the park and if you guys will go and swing by the neighborhood and if you guys want to go to the park you can come along with us you know so just whatever it is you're doing how how can you invite others into mm-hmm. our your your regular patterns and rhythms anyway that's good. um because that's another practical way to think yeah. about it because it, a lot of time we go i don't have time it's awkward it's difficult well could you invite them though into something you are doing? It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be every day, of course, but once a month, you know, you kind of think of that family or you think of that young person and make an invitation mm-hmm. and, you know, they could say yes or no, but um, you're opening your life uh, to that. Now, what we've also seen is that we have to do a lot of the legwork too. Mm-hmm. They, they don't have cars or reliable transportation mm-hmm. oftentimes. And so we go pick right. them up. And so you have to build that into it. Um, but yeah, that's how we've tried to to start is just by inviting people into what we're yeah, already doing that. and building. You're good at that, Kendra. About yeah. just like, hey, we're going to have hot dogs in the front yard. Who wants to come have hot dogs in the front yard with us? Like it doesn't have to be anything big go. and fancy yeah. or, hey, I'm cooking dinner. You want to just come behind the kitchen and help me, you know, kind yeah. of thing. Inviting yeah. young adults into your life. Well, I'm just thinking um, – I got. I guess maybe to bring this full circle, I'm not too sure, but um, I think so many times we think about being in ministry has to be this job, like a job or profession, right. or with a specific ministry um, to say you're in ministry. But the Lord has really been convicting me lately of like we all have our own mission fields. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be yes. wherever you work. You work at HEB, like that is your mission field. And a long yep. time ago, whenever we were homeschooling, um, I was helping the group that we're homeschooling with trying to find a place for us to have our classes. Um, it was like a co-op. And um, many, sadly, many of the, the Catholic churches just weren't opening their doors to us. And so I went to a local Protestant church and this was the most impactful thing that I still just <laughs> go back to so much. But I just sat down across from the pastor and I was just telling him our vision and he just automatically said, oh yeah, sure. I was like, what? And I wasn't used to that. And then, and I said, well, <laughs> we'll help pay for, you know, the, the AC that we use and the electricity. And he goes, oh no, no, no. Anything for the sake of the kingdom. I was like, what? <laughs> so powerful. Anything for the sake of the kingdom yes. and for us to shift our mindset off of the formalities of things yeah. into yeah. like being 100% kingdom focused, yeah. like this life yeah. is temporary. Everyone's life around us is temporary and everyone is a mission field around us. Like how much that would change the church and change the kingdom, like soul mm-hmm. saved, you know? Yeah. yeah. The church would come alive. Yes. Yeah. Well, and, and there's a certain way in which our, our minds are always going to be looking for excuses. Why mm-hmm. not? Right. And so I, I think it, it, we quickly run into all the obstacles and and those are those are real but i i think we have to you know like rather than trying to figure out why should i convince yourself of why not convince yourself of why i should mm-hmm. and promote all those reasons why this would be this is possible or this because i also think people go well what if we they, they're afraid that they won't be able to say no later on down the road mm-hmm. and and i you know, so I, I'm just not going to get involved. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't know how to get into it and I wouldn't know how to get out of it. And I, I think there's ways to do both of those. Well, yeah. you're not committing yourself. Cause I think the formality of a ministry gives you the privacy to, to kind of come and go as you yeah. please. Um, but there's only a part of you that is engaged there, but if it's outside of it, then you, you yourself are fully engaged. You are Jesus the ministry in that moment. And I believe if he can help us get into those moments, he can also help us set appropriate boundaries to, to, Mm -hmm. to allow those moments to, to not overtake us. Um, because the ministry takes care of that too. So there's a lot of things I think we have to think through, but so much of it is fear. So much is just 
we only think inside certain boxes mm-hmm. and I say there is no box. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I love that because if he invites you into a relationship with somebody, he's not then just going to leave you yeah. and be like, all right, figure out the rest That's on right. your own. You know, yeah. like if, if things get difficult, he's going to be there and just stay yeah. close. And it's probably going to mean some difficult need conversations. <laughs> um, and to say nothing of the culture clash of of how things are done and how things are handled or, how, you know, expectations. And I mean, it is, it is, it's crazy. Mm. So you have to be kind of prepared for um, a lot of misunderstanding yeah. or a lot of miscommunication mm-hmm. or, or some hurt and to know how to kind of repair mm-hmm. that and to own that. So again, a, a ministry kind of uh, insulates us from some of those kinds of things, mm-hmm. which is helpful, but I think it is a, a, a foot in the water. Yeah. Whereas, the Lord is just inviting us to dive straight in. All right, the way in. right. Yeah. Cause with the ministry, you can say, Oh, that's not in our wheelhouse. Sorry. You know, you can really use it as like a wall that. protection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. Should wow. we do what God's totally. doing in our heart now? Which is, is good. Yeah. That is good. That's so awesome. we always end our podcast with asking what God is doing in your heart these days. Do you want to go, go first? first? <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> <laughs> we always make the other one go first. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's been so long. Since we've had a podcast, right, he's know. done a lot of things <laughs> in the last couple of months. Um, I think there's three things that the Lord keeps reminding me of. And I don't know if this is just for my own heart or for ministry or for others or what. But I think there's like three things he desperately um, wants us to know and to experience. And I and I feel like it's part of like growing in intimacy with him is um, surrender and I, this entire conversation, I feel like the word surrender yeah. just kept coming up in my mind of like, yeah, it's every little surrender is what leads us into the next yes, the next thing that God's calling us to. Mm-hmm. And so just really learning how to fully surrender and um, and to trust and then learning discernment, um, learning to hear his voice and to step into it. And and it's funny because I feel like he's been telling me this for a long time, but he's taking me back on a journey, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like you don't just learn it once and then you're done. Right, right. Like he just keeps saying remember, like, this is what you teach other people. Now you're going to do it too. Yeah. <laughs> like we're, we're still in this together. Um, yeah. my, uh, my daughters are really loving their new school, but there's moments where things feel terrifying again. Sure. And yesterday was one of those days where one of them was like, I'm done, I'm out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we have to go back to the promise that we were given that this is where they're supposed to be. Yeah. Um, and so I'm kind of like walking them through some of the, that three-step process too of like, if you feel called to this, God's not going to leave you here. Right. Um, so just surrender your heart to what he's doing and then pay attention. Mm-hmm. Um, friendship is a big deal right now. So walking mm-hmm. away from a school where they had deep, deep friendships to a school of 4,000 kids where they don't know anybody is a big deal. Um, and so I just said to Ella yesterday, he's gonna, like, he already knows who your friends are. Mm-hmm. He already knows. He, he called you here. He knows who your friend is supposed to be. So just ask him. Yeah. And then go with it. Mm. She said, I don't know who to talk to. I'm like, well, ask him who to talk to and then try, you know, yeah. but man, I can't even imagine. That sounds terrifying to me. Yeah. Like, she goes, I'm so sick of small talk. And I was Aww. like, yeah, I hate small talk. That, yeah. sounds, that sounds like my nightmare. Yeah. But trusting and surrendering and, and, and praying into the little moments, I think yeah. is the only thing that gets us through yeah. it. Yeah. So. That's beautiful. How about you? Um, for me, that's just as of like yesterday, just something that I can, throw out there that the Lord has been just awakening to. So I feel like there's just been, um, sometimes I wouldn't say like a spirit of oppression over our family, but just things, just a season of a little bit of hard, if that makes sense. Um, more tension, kids are at each other's throats more. Um, I'm just kind of meh. And, um, someone that we know who has been battling cancer, um, for many years, he passed away um, a few days ago. Mm. And the next morning when I had heard he had passed away that morning, um, I just went outside and was having a hot drink. It wasn't coffee. I drink bone broth in the morning. <laughs> you do? I do. That's I mean, so I healthy drink. of you. It's really good. But anyways, yeah. nutrition wise, it looks like coffee. But anyways, okay. um, so having my hot drink. And the Lord, like I was praying chaplet for him, and the Lord just said, um, my joy comes in the morning and here I am looking at this beautiful sunrise and, and, you know, I was like, okay, is this for them? Is this for me? But it's really, it was been, it was for both of us. So I messaged, um, his brother that we're, we're close to and just shared that with him. But also for me, cause this morning I woke up 
Um, and there was just this lightness of our family over my heart. Um, and as we're driving, like the most beautiful sunrise, um, big, just powerful clouds in the sky. And it just reminded like me that his joy comes in the morning. And mm-hmm. so many times, you know, we have highs and we have valleys and, um, and I forget sometimes to live from grace to grace. Instead, I live from valley to valley, knowing mm-hmm. the next valley is coming, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. when I'm in the valley, I need to know that his grace is coming. It's mm-hmm. grace to grace. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's beautiful. It makes me think of what he said about the tapestry. Mm-hmm. It's like sometimes we're only seeing the mess and yeah. sometimes it's almost like you have to physically turn it around and remember right. like this is what God is doing right. and pay attention to the movements Ooh. and pay attention to what he's already done so that you stay in that place. Yes. But also we have to finish weaving the tapestry to see the beauty on the other side. Mm-hmm. So we have to go through the yuck. Right. Yeah. So for me, it's like, it's like a, a never ending process. So sometimes yeah. you're making it through the other side to see the tapestry and then sometimes you're back in the buck and then right. you're going through and then you're back in the buck. But yeah. when you can see that you've made it to the other side, it helps you when you're back in the buck. Amen. Does that make sense? Yep. It's like yep. you're not done, it's grace, but grace. it's like he's taking yeah. you through something really hard and you can go, oh, look, look what he's doing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I can handle the buck now because I know, yeah. I know his heart. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's good. And how about you? <laughs> What's God doing in your heart, Ryan? Well, I, I took a four-day silent mm. retreat in July mm. uh, for the first time. Totally recommend it if there are ways for people to do it. And um, it was an Ignatian mm. re- retreat, so at a Jesuit retreat center. And, you know, are you familiar with that, the, the Sushape prayer? Uh, it's that, take, Lord, receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, mm. and my entire mm. will. All I have is mm. yours. Uh, you have given to me. Um, now I return it. Um, give me only your love and your grace. That's enough. Ooh, for talk me. about wow. surrender. And so that prayer yeah. of of offering my life, my liberty, my memory, my understanding, my entire will, I offer it. And what I receive in return, uh, I am asking only for his love and his grace because that's enough for me. And so the the part of what life has been, life has been hard. Life has been tough there. I feel like Paul, you know, three times I begged the Lord to take this Mm -hmm. away, you know, whatever this is. Mm -hmm. Right. And, uh, the Lord responds that his grace is sufficient for us and, and that his power is perfected in weakness. And so I, I, again, that's true. It doesn't feel like much of, of what sort of being Christian in America typically feels like. It feels like, strength and Mm. power and you know but jesus demonstrated through weakness the greatest strength Mm. and so i i've i've been wanting to reject the lord has been inviting me to let go of self-reliance to let go of all of my abilities and to allow him to work through me particularly where it's like i i don't i do not see how we go from here to here in whatever the situation might be. And then the Lord's like, you can't go from there to there. Um, In fact, I don't want you to go Mm. from there to there. I, I am going to fill that gap. Um, And so anyway, that's what the Lord's been doing in me this summer. (laughs) And uh, it it really unfolded through that, that four day silent retreat. That's beautiful. Thank you so much um, for sharing that with us. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, today was wonderful, and I am so thankful that we got to hear from you and share yes. your heart. I wanted to tell you earlier, um, I feel like the Lord is um, sharing something for your heart. Um, sometimes I have to let it process before I say it out loud. So um, hearing hearing you tell your actual like what actually is going on behind the scenes in your life. And I get that we didn't get all the pictures of everything, but to hear your heart and the way you, that you are truly living out mission, mm-hmm. not just, um, not just evangelizing, not just talking about the goodness of God, not just talking about loving the poor, but like boots on the ground, you know, feet in the mud, really loving and serving um, is such a gift to us. And, when I listened to your podcast, I think that was what was so um, shocking to me about all these people is how their real life is their their mission that they say out loud. Like it is mm-hmm, very yeah. real. And the Lord just put this like on my heart that this that you are living out this very deep mission 
and that that mission is coming out in your podcast and that what a gift that is to the world because this is who you truly are. Mm. Um, and I don't know you. I mean, this is the first time I've ever had a conversation, but I just felt that very real yeah. sense from the Lord that he was like, mm. just very proud that you are um, saying yes mm. to him and that you're inviting others into this deep relationship with him too. That's awesome. I just want to share that with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I receive that. Thank you. I'm grateful. Awesome. That, that really encourages me. Good. Thank you. While you were speaking, I just got this vision of um, like water saturating soil and going down to roots and mm. and the word saturation just kept coming to me. Mm. So yeah. Hold think, on to that yeah, too. Pray into this. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. That's I will. Yeah. I will. I will. I will pray into both of those. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Well, guys, thank you. Thank you again for coming and being a part of this. And I guess we'll see you next week. Yeah. Thank right. you so much, Ryan. Bye guys. Bye. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us this week. Every chance we get to meet with you and talk about Jesus just brings so much joy to our hearts. I pray, I pray that the revival is coming, and I pray that the revival is coming through you. Did you know that you're part of this? I pray that every single day you grow more in love with Jesus, you hear his voice more, you follow him more. And I pray that this podcast is helping you a little bit along that way. If you are liking what you're hearing, we would love for you to share it with a friend. We would love for you to make a review on your podcast app, Apple, Spotify, whatever podcast app you use. And we would love for you to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, email us if you ever have any questions or you just want to share what God did in your heart today during the episode. See you next week.